Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. All right. Today, I'm going to be speaking out of uh, Mark chapter 9. And uh, in this chapter, it, it starts out talking about how Jesus takes couple of his disciples up on this mountain and takes them away and separates them from some of the others, the people that were following Jesus, and he wanted to get away. You know, we all need to get away sometimes. Um, and he takes them up there, and, and up on this mount, all of a sudden he's transfigured, and it says in this scripture that that. All of a sudden, he was just clean as a whistle. He didn't say it actually like that. I made that part like a little more of the Josh translation. But, <clears throat> but it actually does say that, it, that his, his clothes were white as snow, actually cleaner than any launderer, any laundry machine, laundromat, dry cleaner, anything, cleaner than anybody could possibly get that was white as snow. All of a sudden, before them, and, and Peter's like, hey, let's, Jesus, this is, this is good. Why don't we stay up here? Why don't, why don't we just build a tabernacle? All of a sudden, then there's Elijah and Moses standing there before him. He's white as snow, his clothes, his, everything's shining. He says, let's build a tabernacle and stay here for a while. And, and you know, just, just, this is good. You know, anybody ever been in that place? This, this, this is a good place. Let's just stay here. And that's where Peter's at because he doesn't really, he, he's probably just in shock, you know. It's like shock and awe. Like, let's, let's just, I'll live here. I'm going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. Let's just stay. But Jesus says, no, we can't do that. He says, no, we need to go back down the mountain. And in this, I'm actually getting to the part of Scripture that I want to speak about today. But I had to say that because in this moment, we see this moment where he is transfigured, where he is just in this place with God. And all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses show up. And then God speaks and says, listen, this is my son. Listen to this man. An audible voice of God comes and speaks, and they hear it. But Jesus says, this isn't the place where I am supposed to stay. I need to go back down the mountain. I need to go back down where I am supposed to be. And there's multiple reasons for that, but, but he came down in to be close, not to stay far away, but to be close to us, even if it's messy, even if it's dirty. He came. Also, he had to come down because that's where the cross was. That was his path to the cross. But his path to the cross had him come through us, through the people. And he says, I'm not going to stay in this place. I'm going to come down where you are. And then we get here in Mark 9, 14. 
And it says, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, right? They're greatly amazed. And it doesn't say this, but I believe it's probably because his clothes are still pretty clean. You know, he's been transfigured. There's something that's changed about him, and he was just shining. So he comes down, and all the people, just by him walking up, are amazed. It says, and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples so that they could cast him out, but they could not. So this moment we have Jesus coming down from this, I mean, isn't this how it is usually? You're like, I, I've, I've been in this sweet spot, you know, this great moment. Everything's good. I feel clean. I feel peace. I'm feeling really, really good. But all of a sudden we walk out just a little bit and it's just a mess. It's just me, I guess. I mean, I feel like that's just how I feel sometimes. You walk into the crowd and the crowd's fussing, disputing, saying all kinds of things. But he comes and the scribes are disputing with the people, with the disciples. He's like, what's going on here? And now we imagine, it doesn't say exactly what they were disputing about, but I'm sure, we're sure that, that it's because the disciples couldn't cast out this demon and the scribes are saying, hey, look at this, you can't cast out this, look. You know, because these scribes, Pharisees, they're very religious, have their order, their rituals, the things that you have to do, do it this way, do it that way. The disciples following Jesus were doing it a little bit differently and doing what Jesus was telling them to do in the authority that he has given them. But the scribes and Pharisees, they were just, they were a mess about it. But the scribes were disputing with them and calling them out and saying all these things. The funny thing is, it doesn't say that the scribes tried to cast out the demon out of this child. Because why wouldn't they? If they had the right way to do it, why wouldn't they do it? But no. And that's just how it is. You know, most of the time, the people that are coming against you, that are saying these things that are hurtful, that are tearing you down, they don't have a foundation to stand on most of the time, just as these scribes did. Kind of in this dispute, the scribes calling them out. Jesus comes in and he's like, hey, what's going on? What are you discussing? What's happening here? And the crowd's just amazed at Jesus because he's Jesus and he's transfigured. And then somebody out of the crowd just jumps out and he's like, hey, listen, what's going on is I brought 
my son to your disciples. I brought my son because he has the spirit, and the spirit is, it, it takes him, it's mute. And the interesting thing about a mute spirit is that in this time they believed that you needed to talk to and find out the name of the demon that somebody was demon-possessed with in order to cast them out. That was kind of like what they did in that day. It's like, I'm going to find your name to kind of get this authority over the demon. I'm going to find out who you are, and then I'm going to tell you you don't have a right to be there. So really, when somebody had this, a spirit that was causing somebody to be mute, they weren't able to cast them out. They felt that they were stronger. They may have been stronger. It may have just been because they couldn't find their name. They didn't feel like they had the authority. Am I confusing you now? But typically, spirits that cause somebody to be mute, they weren't able to be cast out in, the, in that day. So the spirit was felt to be stronger than your average demon. He says, whenever it sees him, it throws him down. It may be that this just doesn't physically happen to us, but a lot of times in our lives when we're getting attacked, when we're feeling like maybe it's the enemy, maybe it's the a spiritual thing that's happening. Maybe it's just our flesh that's doing it. But it feels like we get thrown to the ground. I, I mean, each one of these things, I look at this, I, like, I feel like sometimes in my life that I've had those moments where I felt like something, maybe it was my own flesh, but I felt like I couldn't talk. I felt like I was being thrown down. I felt like I was convulsing. Maybe I wasn't, but like my, I, my flesh was reeling, it was, you know, like in these moments. And it feels like these things that are going on in our lives, it feels like they're strong. This thing's, this thing's stronger than the average. This has got to be one of those stronger demons. But the deal is, we aren't going based on our own strength. We aren't working here with, with our own ability, our own knowledge, our own rituals or ways that we should do this. The way that we need to come about these things is with Jesus. I've noticed in my life many times when I feel like there's something going on and I need to break through and I need that help. The only place to go is to Him. So this man, the father, says, so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. They couldn't do it. It's not that they couldn't do it, but they didn't know the recipe yet. 
They didn't have the instructions, and that's the thing here, and I'm leading this somewhere. But I want to walk into whatever situation in life or whatever thing that feels like it's a struggle. Not on my own merit, not on your own merit that we walk into these things, but we don't walk into them with our own strength. We walk into them with the strength of God. With the one who died for us. That sent the Spirit to live with us, to be with us, to be our comforter, to be our helper, to be our strength, to be everything. See, everything that he has, he says that he would give to us, and he did. So we can walk in that strength. In verse 19, Mark 19, it says, He answered and said, answered him and said to the Father. Well, in his answer, he said this. O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? It says in the, uh, in the King James Version, how long shall I suffer with you? And in this, in this scripture, it's like, how, how long am I going to put up with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed in him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now, here's the thing. Whenever we are coming into this place, this relationship with God, and and we're like, hey, I'm getting closer. And you know, isn't it, it's everybody's feeling, it's been mine. It's like the closer I get, the better I should feel, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to be walking on, you know, clouds, dancing and with the daisies, you know? It's just like, I, I'm a... And we get to that place where we are walking and we feel that lightness because of His strength. The problem is, is more times than not, as we get closer in our relationship with God, it feels like there's some kind of reeling, some kind of thing that's, that's messed up in us that, that needs to convulse. Like, why am I feeling this way when I'm coming closer to Him? And I think in this is what I, I feel like we're supposed to get out of this scripture is that we have these things in us. flesh, things maybe that we've held on to, that we've held on to for too long, that we don't need, addictions, sins, these things, whatever it is. But when we come in close, those things start convulsing. Those things start reeling because they can't stand the presence of God. And the point I'm trying to make is to not freak out at that, but push through and allow that thing to be worked on. Allow that thing. Hey, it, it might shake a little bit, but it doesn't have the power God does. It might feel a little bit uncomfortable at the moment when you're walking into the presence of God and, and it feels 
nerve-wracking or, or it's just it's uncomfortable, but when you come into the presence of God, that thing has to flee. It has to get worked out. It has to go. And if we allow God to do that work in us, if we allow Him to take that chisel and chisel off that mess. You know, it's like a sculptor, when he's sculpting a masterpiece out of stone, of marble, and there's all this extra stuff, like we've got extra stuff. We're just kind of like a blob of a rock sometimes, you know? When we come to him, that's what we are the first time we come. We're just a big rock that needs to be sculpted and refined. And I imagine, like in that, the chisel, the hammering, they use a hammer and a chisel. They just, they hit that thing. Say, hey, that hurts. But look what the end product is. And he's our sculptor. God is our sculptor, and he wants to, to see the masterpiece that he knows is in you. He wants to see that happen. He wants to be the one that sculpts and molds and chisels away. <clears throat> Mark 9, 19. I'm going to start in verse 21. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that the many said, He's dead! But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And Jesus says, Oh, faithless generation, most likely he's talking to the scribes here. It's maybe talking to the disciples because they're struggling a little bit too in this moment. But what he's saying is not that they don't have any faith, but they aren't strong in faith. They aren't coming in close and understanding really who he is and what he's giving them yet. And the spirit convulsed in him the father's like, he's been doing this since he was a child. But if you can do anything, if you can help, please help. And he says, anything's possible if you believe, if you trust, if you have faith. Do you have faith that this can happen? And the father's like, I believe, but help my unbelief. I, what? I don't know about you, but you first read this, you're like, what? 
wait, what is he saying? But then I walk through my life and I understand and I see because I know I believe. But then every once in a while I come to these places and I just, I need to ask God, God, I, I believe, but can you really, can you help me? Can you strengthen me? Can you strengthen the faith? I have faith in you, but I need more. I need to trust you more. I believe, but I still got flesh. I'm still a mess. Sometimes still, I do the wrong thing. I believe, he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus didn't criticize him or condemn him. He didn't come at him. See, that's all the things that I want to see in this is that, is that saying, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm struggling. Saying I need help is not something that's going to get you criticized by God or get him mad at you. That's what we think sometimes. And really, you know, this... Pride, this pride in us keeps us from coming clean with God, from coming to Him. Thinking about ourselves, being selfish or really even self-conscious. And it keeps us from coming in close. And he said, help my unbelief. Jesus didn't speak to that. What he did was he came in close and showed him. I, Father said, help, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus came over closer to the boy. And rebukes the spirit. He says, how I can help your unbelief is to give you more to believe in. To show you what I can do. Will you come to me even when you need me to give you more trust and faith? Even when you're lacking a little bit. Will you come in close and ask for that help so that I can show you who I am? spirit cried out, convulsed, and it came out of him. This thing that was possessing this boy that the disciples weren't able to make come out, and the scribes, it seems that they didn't even try, and were just criticizing the disciples about but this thing that was possessing him that, that was believed to be this very strong, intimidating, demonic spirit at Jesus, at his words, at him coming close, had to come out. And that's what happened. 
And then everybody, the boy falls. Imagine, imagine the, the fatigue and, and just the feeling of finally being released from that spirit that was possessing him. So the boy falls and he's just on the ground and like, and doesn't move. And everyone's like, he's dead. And he's like, seriously, people? And he grabs him and lifts him up. In verse 28, Mark 928, it says, and when he had come into the house, so he's walking on from there, this moment happens where Jesus comes and he's like, look guys, how long am I going to have to suffer with you? How long am I going to be here? Will you please learn this? And I, 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 don't want, I don't want him to have to say that with me. I don't want him to have to say that with us. You know, sometimes I feel like he does, though. It's like, when are you going to, when, when are you going to learn these things that, uh, that I've been speaking to you and get them down deep in your heart so that you trust me? So that you're not trusting yourself. When, when is it that you're going to actually step out in these things that I've called you to do and stop worrying about yourself? How long am I going to suffer with you? And it says when he came into the house, he goes into the house, and his disciples ask him privately. I love this. Like, I'm not going to ask him now because that would be a little bit embarrassing. But when we get to the house... They ask him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this, can only, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Why couldn't I, I do this thing that, you, you know, God, you have called me to do this. You've asked me to do this. You've asked me to step out in this way to lead people to you. You've asked me, you've given me the authority over evil spirits and sin. God, you've spoken these things. He's spoken those things over you. But many times we're walking and stuff happens, you know? We come into a place and it feels like, oh God, why, why wasn't I able to handle this, God? He says, this kind cannot come out but by prayer and fasting. It's not the prayer, it's not that prayer and fasting make us worthy to cast out demons. See, sometimes we tend to think that that the, the reading the scripture makes us look good. Hey, we've done this. We've, I, I've, been, I've been in prayer. I, I've been reading my Bible. I, I came to church. I, you know, like I, I've, I've been there. I've done this. I've done that. But what Jesus is telling the disciples here isn't to, to just do the things and make sure you do them. But he's telling them to do the things that bring us closer to him. 
See, prayer and fasting doesn't make us worthy. It just makes us be close to Him. Prayer and fasting doesn't give us anything of ourselves. The prayer and fasting gives us Him. In Mark 3, 14 and 15, it says, Then He appointed the twelve that they might be with Him and that He might send them out to preach and to have the power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. See, Jesus had already given them authority over demonic spirits. He had already spoken this to them and sent them. He's saying, I am giving you authority And I am sending you out to walk in that authority. But if you look in this scripture, what is it that it says before he sends them out? Mark 3, 14. Then he appointed the 12. He chose them. He's chosen you. He says, I I want you to be a part of my family. I, I want you to walk with me. I want you to do what I'm asking, I'm asking you to do, I want you to walk with strength. I am appointing you. But the first thing that he's appointing them to is to be with him. Not to go out. So he says, I appoint you. I'm choosing you. First to be with me and to come in close and to stay by my side so that you can get everything that you need. And that is where you find the authority and the strength to do what I'm asking you to do when I send you out. Right? Let's read it again. Mark 3.14. Then he appointed the twelve that they might be with him, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have the power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. That word power is that exousia. But it means the ability or strength to which one is endued, which he either possesses or exercises. So it's this endued strength, this given strength, something that's given to us, not something that we have. It also means the power of authority, influence, and privilege. So when we come in close, he says, he's chosen us, he's called us. First and foremost, to come to Him and to be close with Him so that then He can send us out with this power, with this authority, with this influence, with this privilege, with this strength that is not our own but which is given to us. And that happens, right? As Jesus said back in Mark 9, 
That doesn't happen except by prayer and fasting. Not, not as a not, not as a ritual or, or as, as a checkbox, you know? I'm going to check this off. I'm going to do it. You know that we can do that even every day. Check it off. It's not about checking it off. It's about the relationship. It's about the communication. It's about the coming in close and actually knowing Him. Because when we're just checking boxes off, we can condemn ourselves for missing a day. He's not going to condemn us for missing a day of reading your Bible. That's what we do to ourselves. But really the punishment comes when we actually just don't spend time with Him. We aren't with Him. And we don't have the authority and strength that we need to walk, right, in love, in godliness, in strength, authority. He loves us so much. He wants us to walk with the strength and the authority that He's given to us. And that happens through coming in close to Him, through prayer and fasting. Will you come in close? That's my question. Will you? See, He came in close, right? He came off the mountain. He came off the mountain to come down into the mess. He was white as snow. And said, I'm willing to come down into the dirt to be with my people. But are we willing to come in close to Him? Our flesh might convulse at first. But are we willing to push in to see what He can sculpt out of us, what He can make? out of those that come in and allow him to chisel away the stuff that doesn't need to be there. Will we come in close? Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.